and they're all like really like bougie and like sleek looking. They're all like new. I'm like, how are they doing so well over here? Welcome back to This is a Terrible Place to Live, also known as the Speed Racer Fan Club Podcast. Go, Speed Racer, go. I don't know the that's theme song. That's not how the theme song goes at all. I don't know the theme and song. I've never... That's that's upsetting because what the show is known for is it's an incredible theme song. That's like one of the best things about the show. Well, I just like spitting in the face of the, all the fans of Speed Racer. What can I say? I think... Uh, I don't think any of the people that listen to this actually like give a shit about Speed Racer. <laughs> Probably not, no. Which is, ups- I mean, like, they should at least invest time into it if they're going to continue listening to this podcast, you know? Except for that, you know, I haven't seen any Speed Racer, so. Maybe you shouldn't listen to this podcast, John. It's a little bit hard to do when, you know, I'm editing this thing. Edit it in silence. Just kind of guess. Just be like, eh, this seems right. <laughs> well, okay then. I suppose I can do that. So, dear listeners, if you notice an increase in quality going forward, it'll be because John has a, an incredible intuition. You know? No, I have no idea. I'm very confused. You have such good intuition that you just guess really well how to edit all the podcasts. Oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Mm-hmm. For sure. I might just kick you out of the podcast. John. <laughs> you know, this is frankly unacceptable. <laughs> um, then it'll just be me talking to myself for about an hour <laughs> once a month. <laughs> so, so, um, <laughs> it'd be really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I used to listen to a couple podcasts that were just one guy talking to themselves. I enjoyed them for a while, but they did get boring and sad after a while. <laughs> yeah, after a, a certain amount of time listening to those, you have to think, doesn't this guy have friends or something? You know? <laughs> so uh, I can catch you up on, uh, well, first of all, I should say, uh, for those listening, the last episode was uh, recorded like the week before David ran off to Ireland, which I think we mentioned in the episode, but now you've been there for Almost a month, a month? Yeah, uh, coming up on a month uh, this coming week. So um, part of this will be us catching up on uh, what he's doing over there in, you know, Ireland. Uh, I can catch you up first on what I've been doing while you were gone. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Work. Oh, wow. Anything else? Probably Uh, not. I found a bullet casing in the parking lot of my apartment today. Huh. I think it's a nine. So do you have lots of bullets living there then? Bullets? Living that was a here? stupid joke. Yeah, it didn't make sense. No, I don't get it. Neither do I. But, you know, it's the thought that counts. Fair enough. And admittedly, there wasn't very much thought put into that one, so it didn't count. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
No, I'm about, I'm going to try and go to a, an open mic next week and do some stand up. I'm very excited for it. Oh, cool. Because I've been writing lots of new stuff about how Irish people live. Interesting. For instance, Irish people can't count. Um, and that sounds like a generalization, and it is. But I live in a four-story building, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I live on the third floor. But the way they do it, the first floor is the ground floor. And, and the second floor is the first floor. What? And then the third floor is the second floor. That doesn't... No. It doesn't make any sense. What? Like, chronologically, you have to acknowledge that the ground floor is a floor, and admittedly, the one that comes first, you know? I mean, if you were to do it that way, you'd at least need to put a zero. Like they do. If, if they put a zero, not a G? Because if they put a G, then no. If they no, put they a zero, put a zero. You're okay. in the elevator, and there's a zero. A like zero that. counts. No, it doesn't. Sure it does. They don't, But they don't call it the zero floor. Actually, that sounds really stupid if they did. That sounds like a, a failed sci-fi movie from the early 2000s, the zero floor. <laughs> zero floor, yeah. <laughs> it's about like, I don't know, uh, levitation or something. I don't know how to... I, that joke it just sounds really like it just sounds like someone trying to make a sci-fi version of "We'll get you in on the ground floor." Yeah, yeah. They're like, "We'll get you in on the zero floor," and it's cooler because it's got zero in it, and it's spacey, wacy. Yeah, and they spell floor with the Z. I don't know how, but they snuck it in there. They're like, floor. Whoa, that has to be cool. It's just it's just like F Z L O O R floor. Yeah, I don't think that's spelled floor, John, but sure. <laughs> or maybe maybe it's floor with two zeros instead of two O's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what they do. And they'd like accentuate the Z and zero. They'd be like, Fluid. this is how the, the nerds that we're making this movie for know we're cool. They know we're authentic because we have Zs and zeros. Because that's what every nerd wants. Yeah. As um, someone who might be considered somewhat nerdy, I am aroused by zeros and Zs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Zeros and Zs. That's all it takes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, this isn't where I expected this conversation going. (laughs) <laughs> so what's up with um with your trip? How's it been? What's what's been going on? Um, it's been good. Um, I've been incredibly busy. The people that I live with are are the best. They're they're wonderful. Um, one of the guys is like really into cinema, so we've been like, uh, sorry, film, uh, movies. There we go. Why? Why? The, why cinema makes sense. Why? Well, no, it's just I'm actively resisting becoming more Irish as I'm here. I see. And saying things the way they say things, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so we've been watching a lot of good movies, so that's been good. And we'll provide ample content for our podcast. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you wanted to start doing like a, a movie, uh, an episode where we like watch a movie and then talk about it on the episode. We don't have to, 
but I just thought maybe you might want to try that. So should I ration them then? Because I have a lot that we could use for this episode, but I think I'm going to continue watching a lot of movies for the foreseeable future as well. Well, I've been doing like three a week. We can talk about them, but I'm just saying like, if you, if you have a movie that is like really interesting that you want to talk about, maybe like tell me beforehand and I'll watch it and we can talk about it. Okay. Like we did with this week. See listeners, we're, we're very authentic. We let you in on, in on our planning. Like you're a part of everything. You're a part of the planning (laughs) because this is the only time we talk to each other. It's true. Actually, I haven't spoken to John in about a month. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, that's part of the reason we started doing the podcast was so that we had an excuse to get together and talk about stuff. So it's true. Yeah. And it makes interesting content when we do it well. So, <laughs> and I did see that on your Letterboxd because I keep up to date with Letterboxd. You specifically wanted to talk about Shutter Island on this podcast since I told you to watch that. Yeah. I figured we should talk about it since you told me I should watch it. Yeah. And I did see that you gave it a good rating. Yes, I very thoroughly enjoyed it. Which is good, because it is a wonderful movie. Very good, very good. I was just discussing my ratings today with uh, uh, Tim Jackson, and um, I was explaining to him that I'm very inconsistent, and I've realized this, but I have come to terms with this. Yeah. I, I gave Joker, a movie which I thoroughly enjoyed, three and a half stars. But I gave I the dark. No, was, okay, the, go ahead. The, I gave the Dark Knight, which is a movie I don't particularly like or care for, a three and a half stars. So that was interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw that you only gave Joker three and a half stars, and I was confused by it because I thought it was very good. I loved it. I love that movie. It's great. Okay. Um, I do think oh, Joaquin Phoenix should get a Best Actor nomination, and I'm curious to see if you agree. Absolutely. Yep. 100% Um, uh, nomination for sure. I don't know if he should win, but he definitely should be nominated. It'd be a shame to overlook that. So I saw the movie um, two days ago. We'll come back to Shutter Island, I guess, because we got onto the topic of uh, Joker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But I saw the movie... I live right next to a, a large highway. It's the M50. It's equivalent to a an interstate. So if you hear cars speeding by at ridiculous speeds, it's because of that. Yeah, I heard the I heard a horn. I think. Nope, that was them driving. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. Anyway, Joker. Um. So I've been listening to like a lot of like reviews and podcasts. Uh, related to the movie um, after, since I saw it. And I guess I, we should say that there will be spoilers for Joker in this. Yes, right? there, there will be spoilers for Joker in this conversation. And if you haven't seen it, you should go see it. Um, I'll put uh, a time code for when to skip to uh, if Man, you this, want to avoid spoilers. If you haven't seen either this movie or Shutter Island and you're listening to this podcast, you might have to skip around a bit. <laughs> Yeah, there will be there will be mark clear markations of where we're talking about spoilers. So, yeah, um, you, um, you should see both movies. So definitely yeah. watch those. Both excellent movies, um, and they actually do similar things if you think about it. Um, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. 
so some criticisms that I had heard relating to the Joker um, were that hit the movie is a a, um, uh, a a character piece, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that those are only interesting if you can clearly see what the the character's motives are and like why they do those things that they do. And, you know, like if you can really like delve into the character, but they were saying that that doesn't work for this movie because the character is insane. So you can't like get at the, the deeper motivations for him because he doesn't have them. He's just crazy. He does whatever. His motivations seem pretty clear to me. I I wouldn't say he was unclear at all. I thought about it for a second and I was like, no, the motivations for why he kills people aside from the first time on the train were that these are people that he feels owe him attention or love or something. And he doesn't feel that they've done that for him. So then he's exacting revenge. He's, he's not only exacting revenge. I think he's also kind of, um, he, he's killing the people he kills are people that he feels have not only wronged him, but just wronged people in general. Mm. That that applies to all of the people that he kills. Like the well, first one, huh? I would say, aside from the thing at the end with uh, the so and so with where he has the bloody shoes, you know, um, that love applies to all of them as well, you know. So like his his mother, um, the person yeah. that he thought was his friend at the clown place. Um, the, well, it, and it's his all girlfriend about betrayal. Like, yeah. Um, I don't think he killed her. I do. Okay, good. Because how else would that, that scene have ended? Well, that's he, the thing is I, I wasn't sure. It was kind of open-ended and I, I couldn't decide, but it felt like he didn't. I think based on like how he walked away and like the, um, like what he does immediately afterwards, I'd say that he probably did. Based okay. on how hmm. you see him behave after he's killed others. That's interesting because I, I talked with someone else after seeing it and they said they thought he did not. So that's that's interesting because I couldn't decide and I could really lean either way. Like if the director said one way or the other, I'd be like, oh, that's it. And I think um, that it lines up with his motivation for the other killings throughout. Sure, Because yeah. like he felt that... Um, she was in love with him, even though it was a hallucination. So then she was acting like she didn't know him and it would cause like a similar reaction, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think maybe if someone is staying through it, even if they haven't seen it, they'd be confused about like what we're talking about. So should we just like give an overview of like the basic plot so that people know what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that'd be appropriate. Okay. So uh, you that? yeah, I guess, you or me, either one. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so uh, Joker follows Arthur Fleck as he uh, goes through life working as a clown for hire uh, in Gotham City. And he uh, is shown to be mentally ill and uh, severely depressed. Um, and the people around him in his life... Uh, kind of overlook him and ignore that. And, and, uh, so, uh, let's see what, what's the first thing that happens? Uh, he, he gets, gets beat, beat up, up by a bunch sun. of like 
teens, right? Yeah. Actually, at this point, it would be a good time to address a few of my main criticisms with the movie. Yeah. And they're very minor. First off, in the span of like two days, he encounters two groups of people that he just meets out in public who are willing to knock him to the ground and start kicking him. Who's the second group? That is what? Who's the second group? Other people on the train. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That is weird. But I mean, it's Gotham. So, (laughs) but I mean, still that like even the most like shady city you could go to, I don't think in two days you'd get mugged twice. I think it's a little bit odd the way that people react. Um, Arthur Fleck has a condition that causes him to uh, start laughing hysterically when he feels stressed or uncomfortable um, and he can't really control it. And so that's kind of where a lot of the hatred um, from just regular people comes from. And it gets him to a lot of trouble in the film. Um, that, That first scene with like the little kid on the bus which is in the trailer. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, that mom. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, <laughs> I think it makes more sense after you discover later that he imagines things because yeah. then you can go back and say, Oh, maybe he was bothering this kid, like scaring this kid. But in his mind, he was making the kid happy. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Because the the whole movie relies on the fact that you have a very unreliable narrator. Yeah. So. And I've heard people say that they didn't live that up as much as they could have. Um, and I think they really did. Cause like in the comedy club, um, when he was performing to the girl that wasn't actually there, he was like, after his laughing fit, he started killing it. But then when you watch the video later, there was like no one laughing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, um, that's a little bit on the nose. So let's, let's just, um, for the plot in general, he, mm-hmm. he meets a girl in his building that he lives in, in the elevator. They have a brief moment where, uh, she's complaining about her daughter being annoying and pretends to shoot herself in the head with finger guns. And um, then he starts following her, uh, follows her all the way to work, and then shows up at her door. And she asks if he was following her. He says yes. They have some banter back and forth, and then they start going out together and going on dates. Um, And then later on, it's revealed that um, he hallucinated all of that, and they had never talked after that first meeting. That was something that I felt was super obvious. Like, my my friend that I was watching the movie with, uh, I saw with two other guys, and one of them was like, oh, I call her now. She's not real. And then I'm like, well, duh. Like, he follows her around all day, and then she comes to the door. He's like, were you following me? He's like, yeah. That scenario never ends with you starting a relationship. <laughs> you know? I, I didn't call it because... <laughs> In the comics, the Joker just has a history of getting himself into relationships that you'd never expect with people who go along with things you'd never expect. But I mean, for the most part, this movie seems somewhat grounded in reality. I mean, aside from the unreliable narrator stuff, you know, like the setting. 
Yeah, so I don't, to, I don't think they gave know. us any reason to believe that up until that point he was hallucinating things. Just that he was twisting reality yeah. in his own imagination. Like he would imagine something, but he, I don't think they ever led, a, led us to believe that he was actually thinking that it was real. Like he has that scene where he imagines that, um, I forget the, the guy's name. That, oh, uh, Murray? Yeah, Murray. Um, the, he imagines that Murray invites him up on stage at a show and is like, you're like a son to me, the son I never had. Yeah. But they never lead us to believe that he actually thinks that happened. It's more just this is his daydream. This is what he's wishing would happen. Like when he's uh, dancing and like uh, pretending that he's talking to someone. or Yeah. He does it like a lot throughout the movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think that the the whole montage of her disappearing was completely unnecessary. Oh yeah, I th- I'd say um, we haven't gotten to it yet. But my biggest complaint with the movie was that during the climax of the movie, basically, quick 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 summary, he accidentally starts uh, a class war between the poor and the rich and Gotham. Oh yeah. Because he kills some rich people on a train who are um, beating him up. He shoots them all dead. In self-defense. Yeah. He Well, the first two. Then the last one, the dude's crawling away and he shoots him. Yeah, um, that's true. And he was wearing his clown makeup from work. So then everyone assumes that it's a statement. And like Thomas Wayne says something on the news. So then they take it and they make it their like symbol for their movement. And then at the end of the movie, there are like all these riots going on where people are dressed up as, cl- as clowns. And during that sequence, you see the Waynes coming out of the Zorro movie as they do in every Batman related franchise ever. And you have to watch them die again. That, that pissed me off, honestly. I was like, oh man, why did you put that in? That was like, you were doing so well, and then you had that misstep. Like, everyone knows that. If they're going to see a Joker movie, and they're not like 70 years old or older, you know, they've they've heard of how Batman's parents have died. And if they haven't, it's their own fault. They should be more cultured, you know? I thought it was I thought it was interesting that they added it in because it's not the Joker. They didn't retcon it to make the Joker kill his parents. They still have who I assume was Joe Chill kill Thomas and Martha Wayne. And it does feel like a a proper ending to the Thomas Wayne storyline. And it is it's interesting to think this this Joker may not be the Joker who fights Batman, but he may have started the revolution that created Batman and and created the idea that the Joker who fights Batman could use later on. But I mean, that they, that they didn't retcon it and make it Joker is almost worse because it's the same thing, you know? It's the exact same thing. It's the same scene we've seen in every other movie, you know, down to like them ripping the pearls and them going everywhere. I'm like, Okay, that was cliche. I was like, "Oh, yep, there are the pearls," but I think it's. I think it's. I don't know. I kind of liked it. I thought it was. It was an interesting way of saying this is. 
the same Gotham, we've just changed the Joker. But I, I don't think they need to. I think it should be able to stand alone on its without having anything to do with Bruce Wayne or any of that, you know? I think it, and it does for the most part. Um, I think they should have stayed away from that and just focused entirely on what's what's central to this uh, movie, which is Arthur Fleck. Well, I mean, certainly, certainly, you could cut out, you could cut out the Waynes entirely from this movie, replace them with non-essential characters. There is, there is the plot line though of like his mother being crazy and having the whole thing with Thomas Wayne and all that. Well, I just mean like they don't have to be named the Waynes. They could have been some other family, which I I understand that maybe being some people having a problem with that. But I think that the idea was not to completely change the Joker, tell a new story about the Joker that's completely different, but to give a backstory for the Joker not connected to any specific run of the comics, but definitely connected to the lore of the comics. And I think it well, I think did they that could very have done well. That. I think they could have done that in a way that didn't involve the Waynes, where it was like maybe some other Batman character that you know of, like someone who would become some other villain or something like that, you know? Sure. Yeah. I guess like, uh, something reminiscent to how they have in, in Gotham, except I'm better. I don't like Gotham very much, but yeah, that's why I said done better. Um, the, the main thing I, I really liked about it is it does feel like they actually tried to do justice to the character while putting it in like a, a real world that's grounded in, in the real world. You know, I yeah. thought they did a good job with that because a lot of times trying to ground comic books into the real world feels very forced or cheesy. Oh, oh they did an amazing job. It was like, very well done. The, even like the aspects of it that were like scary didn't feel like, like in a campy way, it felt like very real, you know, like this dude is legitimately crazy and he would murder someone. Yeah. The dancing down the staircase sequence is very, very, uh, it's, it's moving is what I would say because it's, it's not cheesy or funny. It's like, Oh, this guy's insane. Yeah. There was, this isn't related to necessarily anything. And most people probably, I wouldn't say that most people even notice this, but I want to know if you notice this one, like absolutely beautiful shot, whereas the one he was sitting in the center on the back of the bus. And then the bus is going one direction and the camera is coming towards him going the opposite direction. It was so cool looking. It was like, like a weird, like trippy effect because the camera was going the opposite direction of the bus and it was like disorienting. I don't know if I noticed that scene in particular. This whole movie had really good just imagery in general, not even cinematography, just like imagery. The, oh, the, the cinematography was beautiful. The cinematography was beautiful, but I just mean like the the collaboration of cinematography, lighting, set design, costume design, all of it. It blends oh, yeah. very well. Visually, this movie was amazing. I think one of my favorite shots visually is the dancing down the staircase scene. It's just, it's so interesting to see his colorful uh, outfit and makeup against the very gray, bleak Gotham staircase. And then the, the two cops at the top of the staircase watching him in their very, very gray and blue toned suits, you know? Yeah. 
it was just like a really cool setting to film anyway. That staircase was really cool looking the way they had the lights on either side and like the, the tall buildings. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was just a cool location. Um, probably one of my favorite things about the movie isn't even directly related to the story, the subject matter, the acting, any of the things that are incredible about this movie. Um, it's that in the scenes in the comedy club, they nailed it as far as like stand up comedy. Something that we've talked about is just like with my experience in watching movies and experience like going to comedy clubs is they often like completely mess up having comedians performing in movies. They just make it terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And the way they fixed it was they got real comedians that are like doing their real bits and they did them very, very well in this. They actually had two of my like very favorites. They had for the first scene, the one where he's talking about like role playing as a professor. Yeah. That was uh, Gary Goldman. And I was actually a little disappointed that they didn't get to the best part of that bit. Um, but yeah, I was super yeah, the stuff, like the stuff they showed wasn't very funny. Um, but basically like if that bit goes on, it gets to the point where, um, so he's saying, um, she's like, Oh, I'll do anything to, to get my grades up, obviously like making an advance for sex. And then like, he just is super into the role of her professor. So then he's like, okay, so I want you to write a, a written essay and I want you to turn it into me by Thursday. And, and like, he's just completely shutting down any like sexual parts of it and just like actually like helping her with school. It's a funny <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen that bit. And then, um, the, the second guy who goes on right before him, whenever he goes to the open mic, um, the one who's doing the bit about, uh, where he says like women, when they're looking for a sexual partner, what they do is they act like they're buying a new car. Whereas men, they look like they're looking for a parking space. Yeah, like, oh, this yeah. one's empty. I'll take it. Uh, disabled. I hope no one sees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I think they purposefully put in some of the less funny parts or like the confusing parts because mm -hmm. they wanted it to be from Arthur's point of view, and he doesn't mm -hmm. understand comedy. He's not funny. He doesn't understand what makes a joke funny. Like for the professor and student scene he talks about like mm -hmm. oh he writes down like sex is always funny mm -hmm. so i think um, it's supposed to be from his perspective of like i don't these jokes don't land yeah i think they did that really well showing that he doesn't understand like what's funny because like he'll laugh later than everyone else just because he sees everyone else laughing yeah, that's one of my uh, favorite parts is he's sitting there and everyone laughs everyone stops laughing and then he laughs yeah. Um, and, um, oh, I was going somewhere with that. Yeah, I just think they did comedy very, very well in this movie. And he does actually have some good jokes, which I would, like the one that they show on the talk show where he's like, um, um, basic, where the punchline is, well, who's laughing now? And then no one laughs. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a funny joke. Yeah, if if that was told by an actual comedian, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. 
the uh, the dumb ahead. thing about the dumb thing about it is when he told it, I don't think it was supposed to be a joke. And then, yeah. then they, you know, take it and put it on and he sees it and he's like, wow, everyone's laughing at my joke. But then as he processes, yeah. as he process is, I don't, what am I saying? Processes <laughs> the joke? Yeah. yeah. As he processes like everything, he starts to come around to, oh, they were making fun of me. Like this isn't, this isn't people laughing at my comedy. This is people laughing at me. Yeah, I really liked um, also the scene where he's preparing to go onto the talk show and he has like a tape of it and he's mimicking exactly what the person did. Mm -hmm. Because like I said earlier, like his motivation is he wants to be accepted and loved and like uh, given attention. So then he sees what people do who are well-liked and he tries to imitate it. Like with with the dancing, I think that's part of it because how he says that he's never happy all he has is negative thoughts. So then he'll see, he'll see that people who are normal, well liked, and happy that they that they like show it outwardly. So then he dances because that's how he copes with it. That he's not, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He his dancing is the the first time he dances is really weird. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I was a little bit confused, but that makes sense. And and the it definitely thing, it made sense as the movie went on, but like it was that when it first yeah. came, I was a little bit confused about that. The one thing that like I didn't understand at all, and there was like an interview with them where they were like, "Yeah, we just did that because we were shooting and we felt like it." Was when he um, like emptied out his refrigerator and got inside of it. I was like, I don't know what that's supposed to be about. Oh, you didn't get that. There were some people who were saying like. Oh, it's like a cocoon, and when he emerges, he's different. He's a different person. He's gone fully to his crazy side. I'm like, that's really stupid imagery. Um, I hope not. No, I think he was trying to feel something. Oh, that might be it. Yeah, that's. But no, like, um, I'd seen like an interview or something where they were saying, like, yeah, that meant nothing. Just did that because he's crazy. Interesting. Because I, I thought it was either uh, a suicidal attempt or. Um, him trying to feel something because then he, he comes out when the phone rings. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'd say mean of, anything. <laughs> yeah. I'd say all of the scenes where he killed someone though, were like just wonderfully done. Like, yeah. The violence. And I'm not like a super like ultra gore kind of guy, I hate but gore. I think it was done very well in this movie where it was like shocking in a way that was like, just like it hit you, you were like, "Whoa!" I absolutely murdered that person. Hate gore, but those scenes were done very well. So they're not so gory that they're disgusting, but they were violent and disgusting enough that it it really was it hit. You know, it, it, it hit impactful. its purpose. Yeah, yeah, it was very impactful. Yeah, they 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 made it feel like real enough. Is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. I thought the him letting the little person what was his name i forget his name yeah the gary is his name gary someone was named gary i think it was gary i don't know it's been i saw it like two weeks ago and i've seen like six movies since then so (laughs) i have lost all of the names but oh yeah he smothers his mother in a hospital bed with a pillow 
Oh, that was a good scene. It was definitely shocking for some of the people in the theater. I had a guy sitting next to me who just would not shut up. <laughs> when that happened, he went, oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> oh. I mean, that's a fair reaction. Oh, wow. Wha- the dude killed his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was really annoying. He he ended up, <laughs> I was at Star <laughs> Cinema, and when they brought his check for his food, he dashed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so what did you think of the ending then? Um, because I think the big hot button debate around this movie is, was it all imagined? You know, Are you talking about the ending as in the hospital scene ending or the ending as in the car scene? No, I'm talking about where he's in the hospital scene smoking She's like, what is it? And he's like, oh, you wouldn't get it. And they're like, oh, he must have imagined the entire movie. Um, I, don't, I didn't get that from it. I don't. I've heard that from most people who I've talked to about it. See, I did not get that at all. I think that it's, I think he's supposed to be a very, very unreliable narrator, but I don't think he's supposed to be a comp- making it completely up. I think you're not supposed to know what's real and what's fake. Yeah. Um, No, I I think that at least for the most part, the story has to be in reality because they took special purpose to show you that the, the girlfriend was a hallucination. So then if none of it was real, then why would they show you that within this completely fabricated thing, this was extra, not real. Yeah. I think that, if if it was all in his head, then they completely undermine the entire story being, you know, I they undermine his own mental incapacity because it just, I don't, I don't know. It feels like, I don't think they would have done that. I don't think that was the purpose of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do really like the scene where he gets um, dragged out of the cop car and left on the hood and he makes the smile out of blood yeah, yeah. while the, all the riots are going on. That feels very Gotham, very much like um, the, the Arkham Knight games, the Arkham series. Yeah, the riots and everything with everyone dressed in yeah. town and all that. Mm-hmm. That, feels, that feels very akin to like Arkham City and Arkham Knight. Something that I saw in a review from someone who, as they said, did not like this movie, um, was that they were saying when he goes into the movie theater and he watches um, Modern Times, the Charlie Chaplin movie that's on, that a lot of the themes in that movie are reflected in this movie. Have you seen Um, that movie? I've not. I have. And I would, when I saw him watching that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Cause that's, that's about the industrial, uh, the industrial revolution. Um, yeah. I, and I've like looked into it. And, um, yeah, it's very much someone getting overlooked by society as the world moves on without them and him fighting his way through to get something, but it's Charlie Chaplin. So it's very light and, and humorous. Yeah. 
So I thought that was like a cool detail. I was, I always really like it whenever um, directors put in a lot of uh, attention to detail. So I thought that was nice. Yeah, yeah. It's also about someone who can't keep a job um, getting married to a girl who then goes and works at a factory to support them. Yeah. So I think it's supposed to be like his ideology of what what um, his relationship with this girl would look like, you know. Him fighting to, to support them and, and her uh, doing the same, basically. With something that is not related to that, I have to say, the part that made the least sense out of this entire movie was when his boss calls him in and he's like, hey, remember when you were working the going out of business sale for that business and you had the sign that you were spinning around that said going out of business? They want that sign back. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. Well, it also doesn't If they're make going sense. out of business, you can only go out of business once. It also doesn't make sense for him to not believe him that he got jumped. <clears throat> and what's he going to do with that sign? Is he going out of business? Yeah. Probably like, not. That that doesn't make a lot of sense. But then again, I think it's supposed to be showing that nobody takes him seriously. Everyone thinks everything he does is some sort of un uh, untasteful joke, something that is, you know him trying to be humorous but not understanding humor, you know. Yeah. It's supposed to show that that people don't take him seriously. It doesn't make sense, but I think that was the point of the scene. I'd say um I've heard a lot of comparisons of this movie to Taxi Driver, which I've not watched, but I think you have, have you? I have not. It's on my list. It's been on my list. Oh. It's on Netflix and I've just never gotten around to watching it. Yeah, I do need to watch it. No, Every, everyone compares this to Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, which I think yeah. are both Scorsese films. Speaking of, smooth transition. Scorsese also directed Shutter Island, which is oh, what yes. we talked about now. Okay, so now spoilers for Shutter Island, which I have we notes for. Spoiler to spoiler. So if spoiler you don't want to hear spoiler. any spoilers in this podcast, you should leave. And Sorry. Never come, come back for the next episode, actually. I yeah, was going to say we'll, never come back, but we'll, t- we'll take you back. We'll forgive you. We'll probably talk about movies that you have seen or talk about things that aren't movies. So Hopefully we get to some things that aren't movies later on in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It might I go a little long. I don't think Shutter Island will take too long, though. No, no. Okay, so you have been warned spoilers for Shutter Island. Uh, time code for when those end in the show notes. So. Indeed. Take All it away. Right. Okay, so this movie has a plot that is impossible to explain. So yeah. <laughs> um I had seen like video essays that talked about this film, so I did know part of the twist, not the whole twist. Yeah. Um so um if you haven't seen it, this is your last warning. Please watch this without listening to this. It is 
a very good movie, but I wish I didn't know what I knew going into it. So, yeah. So please, uh, please, 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 please watch Shutter Island, the 2012 or 2010 film before you listen to this part of the podcast. So good. Yeah. It, if you like um, movies like, like Christopher Nolan movies that have a twist in them or like good M. Night Shyamalan movies, you'll love this movie. Or just mystery movies in general. Yeah. It's very good. Or just good movies. Yeah. Honestly. Like. Or detective movies or yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, if you wish Mark Ruffalo was a better actor, you should watch this movie. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo uh, is a great actor. He just gets cast <laughs> in the worst roles. <laughs> All right. We can, we can go ahead. Okay. Do you want to. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo comments aside and everything. Do you want to attempt to take this one from the beginning? Yeah. Just... Um, so basically if you've not heeded our warnings and still do not know what this movie is about, um, it is to give a brief synopsis. There are two FBI agents, CIA, FBI, something like that. Um, but they federal are, police they officers. are marshals, federal. Marshals. Oh yeah. Marshals. Um, yeah. Two us marshals are on a boat headed for this island when the movie starts. And basically they've been called in to find an escaped inmate on this island that is a mental hospital for the criminally insane. They're patients, not inmates. That will be stressed like hundreds of times. Well, they're not prisoners is what they say. No, they specifically say patients, not inmates. Oh, okay. Well, the, uh, an escaped patient on this uh, mental hospital. Um, and there's a story where like she had drowned her two children and that's why she was in there. Um, her three children, sorry. Three, three children. And then she put them back up, uh, around the dining room table and pretended that they were still alive. Yeah. So insane. That's why she, well, that's why he's there. He's there to find the main character is there to find this escaped person. And as the movie goes on, he uh, you find out that he's actually there looking for someone who had burned down the um, house that his, him and his wife had lived in and was responsible for her, her death. And he thought that that particular arsonist was on this island as well, which is why he'd taken the case immediately. Um, so then the movie progresses for a while, and you're led to believe that... The people on the island knew that he was looking into them and their shady dealings and stuff. So they had specifically faked a case so that he would come there and then they could convince everyone that he was insane and keep him on the island as a uh, patient. And they do an incredible job of making you think that that is what is going on. And then with that, there's like an entire subplot that you're convinced of where it's like maybe they're even making him go crazy so that he'll actually be insane and stay on the island. Yeah, so um, they they do a very good job of unraveling the story bit by bit as you go, leading you on from one thing to another. I will say I immediately knew. So the person he's looking for on the island um, – he's looking for the person he's supposed to be looking for is Rachel Solando. 
and yeah. the the person that he went there to find who burned down his house is um andrew latis um i immediately knew right off the bat that one of the twists was going to be that he is andrew latis um that was not something i knew going in beforehand that was something that felt very obvious to me um, there's a scene and it, it didn't turn out to be the reason that I thought it was, but there's a scene where he, right after he explains the whole Andrew latest thing, he does a, um, he, he has a, a match and he lights it in a very specific way. And I was like, yeah. Oh, Oh, he's Andrew latest because it, it was like the same way that the match was lit in the the storytelling of the the burning down of the house and um something that like i caught on to that i wasn't sure what it meant at the time but i was like that has to mean something different than what it initially like appears as um was whenever he so he interviews all of the different inmates at this um facility absolutely patients Yes, I was about um, to talk about this too. And the way they behave around him and he behaves towards them. Okay, well, we should tell the big twist before we get to this. Right, yeah. Basically, sure. you find out that he is a patient at this hospital, that uh, the marshal who's looking for so-and-so. And he's convinced himself in his mind that he is a U.S. marshal, which he was previously before he went in. But he went insane after he came home to find that his wife had drowned his three children and she was asking him to let her get away with it. So then he kills her. So then he goes completely insane and he's convinced himself that he's looking for the person who had committed this crime. It should be said that um, she burned down the house um, yeah. that is talked about in an attempt to commit suicide. Um, right. And then but she lived past that. And went on he, to kill, he kill blamed it. himself for not getting her help after that. Um, when she then went on to kill their children. So then he's living out this scenario where there are four different characters in it and they're all different rearranged versions of the same name. It's him. Teddy Daniels. Um, what? He's Teddy Daniels. Yeah, Teddy Daniels, Rachel Solando, uh, Andrew Latus. What's the other one? Um, Dolores um, Daniels, right? Dolores. Oh, yeah, that's his wife. Um, oh, sorry, Dolores Chanel. Okay, yeah. Um, so there are all these different characters, but they're all just rearranged versions of his, of his name which was Andrew Latus. And his wife's um, name. Yeah. And Oh, and his daughter. His daughter is Rachel. Oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Is that either his daughter is Rachel or his daughter is Dolores? There are a lot of names I've, there, I've lost. Yeah. But basically one of the first things he finds is he finds a paper that says in Rachel Solando's cell when he still thinks, and you still think that he's a detective or a, or a marshal, he finds a paper that says the rule of four, who is 67. Yeah. And the, the rule so of four up. 
is the four names and 67 is is the 67th patient which is him yeah i feel like to anyone who hasn't seen this movie this is just gonna sound insane i mean that's just like rambling they're like and then there's a number and then it's that's that's, (laughs) that's why i said people really need to watch this movie it does not make sense if you haven't seen it they really do a good job of unraveling everything but my goodness um but some things that i caught on to the where i was like that has to mean something other than what it the surface meaning is is before we get to the patients the editing seems really bad until you realize like what's going on okay yeah there are I, certain like what i was just going to say the first the first thing i wrote down in my notes when watching it was that the frame rate was awful yeah um, but then as it goes on, you realize that the frame rate's so bad because it's supposed to be disorienting and at points it makes you dizzy. Yeah. And they're like cuts in weird spots where there shouldn't be. And then it's like, oh, it's showing such and such in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was amazing that the way that they, that they edited it in a way that even can give deeper meaning to it. Um, but when he's interviewing the patients and there's the one guy who thought that um, his nurse wanted to have sex with him. So then he killed her. Um, yeah. And he's interrogating the guy and he has the pencil. So he's just like moving it back and forth really, really quickly making that noise. Yeah. And it's like driving the guy crazy. I was like, how on earth did he know that that was this dude's particular, like, I also was wondering Tick. about that. I was like, how, how did, where did he get that idea? I was like, it must be in his patient file that he hates like specific noises. But yeah. yeah, no. But then like, so he knows the things to get to all of the patients that he talks to because he's, he knows these patients because he's been there for two years. The thing that really drove home to me like that something was up at the beginning is when he asks the, the lady who um, killed her husband for, I guess, infidelity uh, about Andrew latest. She freaks out for a second and asks the other guy to go get her a drink of water and then writes something on a note and hands it to him. And we never yeah, see what Ron. that, we never see what that note says. No, it said Ron. Does it? I never saw that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so basically she was saying if he's looking for Andrew latest, he needs to run. And, uh, she did it specifically. That was really good that she did it when the other guy left to go get the glass of water because he's not actually this dude's partner. He is a doctor at the the medical facility. He's, he's the doctor that, uh, is overseeing Andrew latest and the one that, uh, Teddy Daniels, the marshal mm-hmm. has been told was Rachel Solando's doctor. Yeah. So, and basically they're trying to play out his entire scenario of what his story is. Cause they've been observing him for two years in this hospital. So they've figured out every single detail of what he thinks is going on there. Yeah. So then that they like live it out for him to try and like help him. 
So they, they spend two days just letting him live out his psychosis to show him yeah. that it's insane and that he's insane. And part of that psychosis is that there's a giant storm and everybody is like, you know, stuck in this storm, but that storm never happened. Yeah. Which is crazy. That's the craziest part to me that like he's, he's imagining this entire storm and they're playing along with it. And, and it's, it's, <laughs> that's interesting. It, it, it helps make sense of why some of the effects are so poorly thrown together. Mm. Like it, it, it's purposeful. Some of my favorite, um, well, specifically my favorite scene in the whole movie, um, was when he first has the dream of his wife. And I love that scene. It was just absolutely beautiful. Where like she's turning into water but also like burning at the same time because it's related to the two things. Yeah. That yeah. he has trauma with uh, with her, you know? Yeah, and that's a that's a that effect holds up. That the one where she so collapsed at the end did not, up. but the rest of it did. Which which one are you talking about? The the well, like at the, the end of it, like she disintegrates. They hey, that's better than Infinity War. Yeah, I guess so. If you're comparing it to to modern effects, it's still better than the Infinity War disintegration effect. Which, okay, so there's that music video that I sent you a long while ago, the Ado one, where it's got the disintegration effect, but then like you see the skeletons in it. That music video. Uh, I don't remember specifically that one. It's the one where it's like the people who um, are like dressed as like kings and stuff. It's oh, the yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that disintegration effect in there was spot on. It was amazing. Well, I know. It was super cool. I, I think I know exactly how they did the disintegration effect for the for this movie, for Shutter Island. Yeah. And it, it is and, very impressive. For 2010, but it, it it still holds up to me at least. But I'm sure they it, could have it, done it better now. It looked better. It didn't look good to me, but that that was a beautiful scene. Like just it was like super layered with like symbolism, and it looked amazing. Like the colors and everything in it. Yeah, yeah. That's and, something this film does really well too. Just like Joker. With, they're very similar films, but the other thing this movie does well is the color balance is very good. Um, and people go on about how like Leonardo DiCaprio should have won an Oscar like a long time before The Revenant and everything. This movie is that to like a T. He killed it. It was amazing. Or or even some of the side actors, best supporting yeah. roles for sure. Really good. Um, like uh, Ben Kingsley was really good. Yeah, Ben Ben Kingsley was amazing in this movie. What what did win in 2010? Let's look up the 2010 Oscars. I don't know. I don't, this wasn't even nominated. I was talking to the guy who showed it to me. He was like, "Yeah, they, it was completely overlooked." Oh, okay. Best picture for 2010 was The Hurt Locker. I haven't seen it. Best actress was. Um, Sandra Bullock for the blind side. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Best actor was Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart, which I don't know that movie, so. I've never even heard of it now. 
I have to say, since it was brought up, The Blind Side is a, an insanely overrated movie. Oh, I don't know why people like that movie so Absolutely. much. Absolutely, that movie is not very good. <laughs> it's like I was going to be very extreme. Was terrible. I was going to be extreme and be like that movie was terrible, but then I was like, oh well, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was not very good. Yeah, it was, actually, it was, I'd compare it to Green Book, where everyone loved it, but it was like that was an all right movie. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen Green Book, but that makes it understandable at least yeah um anyway i will say the the um despite the color being really good in a lot of scenes there were a lot of areas where the color grading was it's so extreme everything in this movie is extreme yeah And, and it benefits the movie some cases but in other cases it's a little bit of a drawback like the first, the opening scene, they're on a boat coming into the island, and that water is so blue. It is like dark navy blue. Yeah. It's insane. See, and- I saw that opening scene. I had no idea when this movie had been made. I was like, oh, this must be like a early 2000s movie or something. Because people don't make movies like this anytime after that. And then I, I was like... And then I was thinking about it, I was like, but Mark Ruffalo and Leonardo DiCaprio didn't look like this back then. I, yeah, I, was like, I watched the first opening scene and I went, oh, this is a 2010 movie. Because oh, really? it's very 2010. 2010 oh, was, so? it's all about punchy colors. Punch everything. Also, 60 frames was like, I don't know, it was big for a few minutes. <laughs> I guess so. The more I think about like what movies came out then. I don't, I don't know if this was shot in 60 or 30, but it wasn't 24. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a couple of scenes where you can tell that there's a green screen being used. And that's like disappointing. The one on the, like the one on the cliff. Um, the, the one on the cliff um, specifically is the one I noticed. I watched this with Bobby. Um, he noticed that one of the scenes where the, um, he's being driven back in the Jeep. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yeah, on a green screen, yeah, and you can you can see they have some uh, artifacting of the rotoscoping on him um, left in that. So, and this movie, I should say, um, did the thing that we talk about regularly on this podcast, where the movie will state absolutely like yep. the end of a paper what the thesis of the movie is. It also it stole it stole from. Uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah, it it kind of did. But I would say that it did in a way that I found inoffensive, where I actually really liked the line that he said there because it insinuated more about the plot. I think it did it well. I think it did yeah. it better than The Dark Knight. Yeah. But it, it still stole it from The Dark Knight. Um, so I guess in conclusion on Shutter Island, unless you have more more to say on it, um, no, I'm looking at my notes. They're pretty bad. In conclusion, excellent movie. Deserves far more recognition than it gets. Go watch it. I did write down some of my favorite scenes, though. So, mm, Go ahead. Um, I really liked the scene where he's talking with George by the candle. Yeah. Um, 
now that I've said that, I don't remember what that scene is, but I wrote it down. So, um, I think what I'm talking about is when he's talking to, uh, the inmate by the match. Uh, he has, yeah, he yeah. has the match in that scene. I think that's what I meant. Um, I like the scene where he's talking to the quote unquote real Rachel Solando. Uh, that was very yeah. well done. I thought that was very interesting. Um, both like shot wise um, and like story story wise. I thought that was good. That was then, very good. And then the. Because it did a great job of like making you think, oh, they were setting him up this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really helped convince you that something was going on here. And I really liked um, the, the, the final sequence of remembering uh, his wife and children. Yeah. I thought that was, that was very well, very well done. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had any topics specifically for this episode. Um, but I think, well, do you, I'm sorry, what do you have any, uh, topics that you'd had specifically for this episode that we haven't covered yet? Oh, no, no. Okay. Now I think would be a good time to address some Irish slang that I've observed in my time here. Good, good. Um, actually, before we even get to that. Irish people freaking love McDonald's. I don't know why. Really? They love it. Yeah. It's strange. Um, I recently went up uh, up north for the weekend um, to a place called Loch Derg. It's an island in the middle of a lake up there. Um, and it's uh, where St. Patrick used to go to be alone and like pray and stuff. Um so on the island is like this beautiful church and a castle and stuff. It's really cool. Okay. Um, so I was up there for like a few days with a bunch of other people. So I met some uh, some folks who are from a place called Armagh, um, which is in Northern Ireland. Um, and they were like, I was talking to them about like things I should do while I'm in Ireland. They're like, oh, you should go to McDonald's. I'm like, well, you do realize we invented McDonald's and we don't like it that much, you know? Yeah. It's like when you write a book report and you turn it into your professor and you're like, I'm not proud of this. This isn't our best work. We could have done a lot better when we created this. I literally did that this week. Yep. <laughs> um, it's like of American fast food, I'd say the only thing's worse would be probably Burger King and Arby's. Okay, no, no. Of American fast food, McDonald's is definitely still the top. Uh, Everything else is worse. Are you insane? Yes. But also no. Like Taco Bell, it may taste better, but it's also way worse for you. Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box is disgusting. Hang on, hang on. We need to go back to Taco Bell there. <laughs> You're saying that Taco Bell is way worse for you than McDonald's. Yes. Absolutely. There, 
at that point, you've decided it's all right if my food kills me. So it doesn't matter which food you use to kill yourself. You know, Taco Bell, McDonald's, it's relative okay, at that point. But you Taco know? Bell makes you feel gross and McDonald's doesn't. I would argue that it me. does. Okay, well, for me, McDonald's, <laughs> well, here we go. Taco Bell makes my stomach feel gross and McDonald's make, makes my face feel gross. So I would Mexican rather... Mexican food in general makes your stomach feel gross, though. That's not, like their whole not thing. good authentic Mexican food. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, like, talk about was far superior to McDonald's. Also, Burger King is just overpriced, but it's pretty good. No, it isn't. And Arby's is making a comeback, so. Never in my entire life have I ever thought to myself, yeah, I guess we should eat at Burger King. My my childhood was I was raised on Jack in the Box, Burger King, and Arby's for a very long while, and Wendy's. We hardly ever went to McDonald's. You literally like picked most of the bad ones. <laughs> I love Wendy's. Wendy's is great. I love Burger King. The best King. one. I don't love Burger King as much anymore. I think the Jack in the Box one. is disgusting, and I. Absolutely love Arby's, but you have to go to the right one. Okay, hang on. Jack in the Box isn't at that bad. It's not nearly as bad as the others that we've talked about because their burgers are pretty good. If you get like one of the buttery Jack ones, like the the Swiss uh, the Swiss one, that's good. And like their curly fries, good stuff. It makes me feel sick. Yeah, I mean it's like the, their curly fries are good, but Arby's curly fries think, are better. I think we need to put health and how you feel about yourself after eating at these places out of this conversation <laughs> because all of them are terrible. Okay, in that case Arby's wins. No. Yes. Arby's has the better curly fries and the better sandwiches. Arby's is just weird. If you eat at Arby's, you're probably a serial killer, John. <laughs> I, ha- I hate to tell you that, but you're just strange. You just don't like, appreciate. Why would you go there? You just don't appreciate <laughs> northern sandwiches. I don't appreciate the north at all. Any of their food. The, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I don't either. But Arby's is the exception. My uh, my parents are from Michigan, so they always they always brought us to Arby's. The best ones are the ones that are super cliche that everyone loves. Like Whataburger and Chick-fil-A. Okay, Chick-fil-A, yes. Whataburger, meh. It's basically the same as McDonald's. No, it isn't. It's so much better. No. If I could get... It's overpriced. Their their chicken strips at Whataburger are very good, which is why I always get the the honey barbecue chicken strips sandwich there. Okay, so if you're talking chicken, yeah, absolutely, Whataburger is better than McDonald's because McDonald's is compressed chicken, but it's not anymore. Well, see, I don't even get burgers from Whataburger. I get just like chicken stuff. Okay, well, that's where we're that's where we're diverging here because the the burgers at Whataburger, if you get an equally priced burger at McDonald's, it's the same. Okay. The but chicken I'd say overall, the chicken the ex- is better at Whataburger for sure. Overall, the experience I'd say at Whataburger is better. They're typically cleaner, for one thing. It depends on the location, but yeah, for the most part, Whataburgers are more consistently clean. And um, 
people freaking love the honey honey butter chicken. I mean, uh, honey butter chicken biscuits. Yeah, I've only had those a couple times, and they are very good, actually. I will say they're very good. They're very small, and they're very overpriced, which is why you should just get the honey butter or the honey barbecue chicken sandwich with um, honey butter sauce instead of barbecue. Oh, that's that's a good idea. Um. Or if you're a heathen like me, you get it with mayonnaise. But I mean, like Chick-fil-A has to be the number one overall, right? A fast food restaurant? Yeah. I think so, yeah, in the U.S. It's universally beloved, except by, um, you know, um, like the ACLU and people like that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they opened, I saw a news story today, where they opened the first one in England, and it, after eight days of business, they've announced that it's closing. Oh wow! Because, like, uh, civil rights groups have been so actively against it. Wow. Yeah. It's just chicken, man. Yeah. I don't care about their politics. I still go there. Yeah, people. <laughs> people freaking love politics, though. They, I don't understand it. My favorite thing. Do you know who Shane Dawson is? I do. Okay, do you know who do you know his boyfriend, Rylan Adams? I know of him. I think I've seen him a couple times and things. Or rather his fiance, they're engaged now. Um Rylan Adams has a YouTube channel that's a fairly big now. I think it's a couple million now. He goes to Chick-fil-A all the time. He freaking loves Chick-fil-A. I just it it's weird that <laughs> Like nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares about their politics. It's good chicken. Eat the chicken. Be happy. I think that that's one of the stupidest things about like, um, uh, how people treat their beliefs nowadays is if you're going, if you're spending your money at some business, you're making a political statement. You're not. You're paying for a service. What they do with your money after you've paid them is entirely up to them and frankly none of your business you know yeah yeah because you're paying them to provide one service you're not trying to make a donation to some charity whenever you're ordering at chick-fil-a yeah and i mean they you're paying for them to run the store and then if they decide to use some of their personal money from owning the store to donate to something that's their own decision yeah that's that's their prerogative um and the same like it goes the other way too. Like personally, I pay for a Netflix subscription every year. And then there's also, um, all the stuff where people are like, Oh, we're going to boycott Netflix cause they're, um, um, uh, make they're taking action against Georgia's, um, uh, abortion laws that have just come into place. It's like, that doesn't factor into my decision whether or not I'm going to pay for Netflix. Yeah. I pay for Netflix for movies, not because, I agree or disagree with their political beliefs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah, that's, I think it's, I think it's a difference. And also just like, I think it's a generational thing. I think people in our generation don't care quite as much about companies, politics and policies, um, the same way that older generations do. It, and it's different. Like people are like, Oh, I've got like how people are about like diamonds, you know, how like such and such is a blood diamond because they killed so-and-so to get that. That's different, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, they murdered someone 
so that I can have this diamond. I'm not going to pay them and encourage that. That's entirely different. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of derailed us from uh, your McDonald's comment. You were telling me about uh, Irish quirks or whatever. Oh, yeah. So basically, people here just really like McDonald's, and they're always like, oh, we should go to McDonald's. And I'm like, why? Do you, have not, do you not have other fast food that we could go to? So like, I've ended up eating at McDonald's a lot because people are incredibly like excited about it here. They have... Like two story McDonald's are a regular occurrence where like you'll drive past and it's a McDonald's that has a second floor on top just to house all the people that are eating there. That's so they're jam packed all the time. It it's insane. That is very weird. How are they doing so well over here? Uh, and they only have like three American four actually I should say. American fast food chains, which would be McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, and Subway. Actually, Subway is at the bottom, I should say. Subway is not good. Oh, in in general. In, in your opinion or in Ireland? Um, yeah, so that's okay. just something I've been confused by. Um Yeah, they're real. Oh, they're everywhere. I here. just looked up a picture of the double decker McDonald's. Um, some of the insults That's here really are weird. Very good. Very nice. Um, people, especially from the north, if like you're agitated with someone and you're like, "Oh, knock it off," basically you can call someone a muppet, and that is a, an acceptable insult. People aren't like what the hell you call that person a Muppet? That's like, okay. Yeah. Um, and I find that super funny. <laughs> yeah. Muppet? There is someone who I live with who says that regularly. Just like, just like, the like Oh, knock it off. You Muppet. Will you? And it's like, Oh, okay. Why? That was a Scottish accent. I messed that up. If I'd prepared more, I would have gotten it better. Um, sorry about that. Although I do a very good Belfast yeah, accent, I've been told. Yeah, that was specifically pretending being pretending to be a woman from Belfast. I sound spot on. I've been told. <laughs> um. <coughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, so if you're referring to someone in conversation, just like and that person. You say, your man. Like, it doesn't have to be anyone that you're even remotely affiliated with, but you would say, your man so and so, blah, 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 blah. And it, and it could mean anyone, like someone that you have never met before. So I could walk um, up to you, you and be could, like, um, did you see what your man Donald but it would Trump be has more been like on Twitter? Strangers, I'd say. So like, if you're telling a story, and they're like, and this guy um, comes up and he starts doing this, and then your man does blah blah blah. Okay. No, it doesn't. It's weird. Okay. Um, that makes sense, though. And then also, 
instead of saying sense to me. y'all, like in a scenario where I would say y'all, they would say use, as in you, but plural, use. Use. That's, that's, um, that's, um, I think my parents used to say. No, they don't say. And up oh, in I'm Michigan, sorry. some people would say. I'm having a coffee Just a sec. All right. So. Coughing, I choose you. They wouldn't say, like, use guys. Go coughing. They just use. say, use. Whatever the fuck. And it's really odd to me. But I can see myself picking up that one. Because it is very handy. <coughs> mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, I mean, it's, probably it's a good shortening, just like y'all is. <coughs> Trouble. Okay, yeah, let's not have you die. Um, I did want to say mm. one of the things we were talking about um, making this podcast more visible and trying to actually do this more um, as a trying to get the podcast um, seen by more people. And um, one of the ways that we do that would be um, mm. plugging socials. We don't have ones that I think we want to plug oh, at the, the moment, but related um, to the podcast. Put it in your ear, David, that we should create podcast? some socials to plug. Um, and in, in the listener, huh? Are <coughs> just like, um, like, uh, public profiles for each of us and one, maybe a, a Twitter or something for the podcast. And then, um, putting a bug in the listener's ear to be looking out for that. Also, um, one of the ways that you get your podcast seen is just listener ratings on iTunes. So as much as I don't want to beg people to, and I think we promised we would never ask them to rate our podcast. So I'm not going to ask you, but I'm just going to let you know that that's how people we um, need to mobilize our five strong audience. Um, is, it's ratings. So, um, yeah. Was it 11? Man, we're, we're yeah, that. yeah, for sure. All 11 of you, please, um, you know, do what you got to do. <coughs> um, so I guess we'll be I don't remember how many it was we'll be back in a month with more movies uh, details about Irish people (coughs) maybe stories from John's work (coughs) yeah I'm really dying um oh man (laughs) yeah um when you get back from Ireland, maybe we will start doing more frequently than a month at a time. Maybe not. We'll see what happens. But um, in the meantime, monthly, I think, is what we'll stick with. Um, no. Did you... You were going to do some videos while you were over there. Have you started that? Okay. Yes. Well, if you ever get that up and running, um, let me know, and then we'll let the podcast know if you want. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I should let David not die. So we will Goodbye, audience. And 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 end end his suffering. <clears throat>
Farewell.